0: Take your Bible, go to the book of James. The book of James, one of my favorite books in all the Bible, written by the half-brother of the Lord Jesus. James was the pastor at the church in Jerusalem there for a good while. And then he wrote this letter because his congregation had been scattered and dispersed throughout Palestine and Asia Minor, the surrounding area, They had been dispersed and scattered and literally driven out from Jerusalem because of persecution and because of problems and issues and suffering. And so the Holy Spirit of God inspired their pastor, the pastor of the local church in Jerusalem, to send this letter out to them, this message from God, and it is a part of the Bible. It's divinely inspired. Because of that, I'm glad God included that in the canon of Scripture. Now, I believe it was Martin Luther who so vehemently uh, had took issue with James's thoughts about faith and works that Martin Luther uh, admitted that he struggled with believing that the book of James should have been included in the canon of Scripture. Well, uh, I, I want to reiterate that I'm thankful the Holy Spirit inspired James to write this letter. And it is part of the Scripture, and it is just as much of God's Word as the book of Romans is, or as John's Gospel, or as any part of the Old Testament. And so with that in mind, I want to talk to you tonight. It's going to be a three-parter. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that right now. The whole theme of James is shoe-leather Christianity. Christianity, genuine spirituality lived out in life. It's not just an ethereal concept. It's not just an intellectual concept. It is, it's It's. incarnational, not just intellectual. It's incarnational. True spirituality is to be lived out in our lives. It is to be, we are to uh, live incarnate truth. We are. We are to flesh out, we say. We are to live out gospel truth, Bible truth in our lives. So I want you to look in verse 26 and 27. We're going to talk tonight and for the next three Sunday nights tonight about real religion. (laughs) Now, this is the only time you'll find this word used in the New Testament. Religious. Religious. And so James uses this, or at least how it's translated. The translators use this word. Watch this. Verse 20 says, If any man among you seem to be... Religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. This man's, a synonym, spirituality is vain. It's empty. Pure religion, pure, genuine spirituality. And undefiled before God and the Father is this. In other words, James says, okay, this is pure. This is genuine spirituality. He says to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. It's interesting that here in verses 26 and 27, James by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is contrasting real spirituality with false or fake spirituality. Uh, sometimes people throw this term around, and I, I've, I've heard it And recently in the last year. I've heard this probably more than, well, so-and-so's fake. You're fake. You're, you're fake. You're a fake. Hey, all you bunch of people that faith, you're a bunch of fakes or whatever. Whatever church you want to throw out there. Oh, they're just a bunch of fakes. Well, let's talk about that for a second. What does the Bible have to say about fake Christianity and fake spirituality? What does he say about real, genuine spirituality? I'm not talking about my opinion. Man, my opinion doesn't matter squat. You can put 99 cents with my opinion and go get a cup of coffee at McDonald's. My opinion doesn't matter Dear friend, I love you. Your opinion doesn't matter. But the Lord sure does. Because His opinion isn't biased. His opinion is perfect. His opinion, boom, that's that's the final word. That's the only word that matters is God's opinion. What's God's opinion about genuine spirituality? People that are real and authentic. He he talks here, uh, if any man seem to be religious, in other words, the word seem, there's an interesting term. It means that this this person's formed an opinion about themselves. (laughs) He's referring to what someone thinks about themselves. He says if anybody thinks themselves as spiritual, but they can't bridle their tongue, he says they deceive themselves. And this man's religion is vain or empty. Have you ever ever bought something or picked up something that was fake? In in March 2005, I had the privilege to go to India for the first time. And on the way out from India, coming back to America, we were in Delhi uh, waiting on our flight. And we went to the underground market there. Um, It's called the Palika Bazaar. It's underground in the heart of New Delhi. And man, you have just cubicle after cubicle of these shops. And one of the things that they advertise and they promote is it's good quality, cheap price. (laughs) Well, the emphasis is on the cheap price. And I remember uh, they specialize in watches, sunglasses, electronics, things like that. I remember walking by this stand, and the guy was selling electronics, and he had all these watches. And I, I went up, and he said, oh, oh, rich American. That's what he said, rich American. I don't know what about me thought I was rich American, maybe to them. You know, anyway, uh, he said, rich American. I said, no, 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 oh, poor preacher. That's he. I'm sure he didn't understand what I was saying, but he said, oh, here, here's a watch. And he picked up a watch, and it was a, it was a Rolex. Well, I call it a Folex because it was a fake Rolex. And he said, $30, $30. I said, nah. So I, I, I started to walk. I, I said, $15. No, 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 no. You rich American. you rich American. I said, no, no, no. That's okay. So I started walking away. And finally, he he said, no, he 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 actually stuck his head out of his booth and said, no, no, no. Come back, come back, come back. So he said, 25, 25. I said, no, nah, 20. He said, uh, 22, 22. So I oh man, I got me a I got me a Rolex for $22. Boy, I slapped that thing on my wrist brought it home, wore it on the plane, brought it home, showed Aaron, oh, hey, honey, look, I look at this Rolex. I mean, it's fake, it's fake. I know it's a fake Rolex, but, man, look. I mean, it looks just like a real Rolex. Except there's one problem, gang. It wasn't a real Rolex. So about eight weeks later... <laughs> The thing literally died. I mean it died. It died. And then I mean it it, it, it began literally to corrode from the inside. It's deader than four o'clock. <laughs> A folex. Be careful about those folexes, by the way. We don't like getting stuff as fake. <laughs> Not when we're depending on it. Well here, here here James or the Lord really Through James is calling out fake spirituality, fake people. He's showing what's real. Pure religion, undefiled, he said. Adam Clark said about these phrases, pure, undefiled, these terms, they are supposed to have reference to a flawless diamond or a precious stone, Uh, one that's not cloudy in color, one that's clear. The word pure literally means no foreign mixture, as in self-deceit or hypocrisy. William Burkett said that this phrase is referring to the imminent fruit which springs from the root of true spirituality. It's, it's a, true spirituality is not, not all the external. It's, it's, it's coming from within. So let me give you, tonight I'm going to just start with the first characteristic of real religion, real genuine spirituality that James gives. And he says real religion involves self-control. Self-control. Verse 26, he points out that this self-control is represented here specifically in our words, our speech. The self-control is measured, James says, by our ability to bridle our mouth, to control our words. Religious here is used only here in the New Testament. It refers to someone who is concerned with the outward aspects of religion and worship. James' use of the word religious was a reference to the Judaizers of the day with all of their rites and rules and rituals. Remember, Christianity is not a religion, Christianity is a relationship. And I know Christianity gets characterized as a world religion, but hear me carefully, dear friend. Christianity has nothing to do with outward institutional rules. It's about a heart transformation by the gospel from the inside out that establishes a relationship with God the Father. James says this, this, this person who has fake religion or fake spirituality that they can't bridle their tongue... <laughs> They don't have the ability to control their speech. Literally means somebody uh, uh, who is led by the bridle. It means to hold in check, to restrain. They can't restrain their words. You know what a bridle is in ancient times? A bridle was a hoop in the halter rope that passed around the lower jaw of a horse. Do you know the average person speaks 18,000 words a day? Think about that. You and I speak and share, give or take, depending on our personalities and maybe our occupation, our vocation, 18,000 words a day. That's enough for a 54-page book. <laughs> Someone has estimated <clears throat> that when you put all that together in our lifetime, uh, all those words together, that in a year's time, that would amount to 66 different 300-page volumes. Do you know that one-fifth of our life will be spent talking? (laughs) That's interesting. Linsky says that this man, described here in verse 26, is always voicing his own opinions and damaging people right and left like an unrestrained horse. Now you've seen it and I've seen it where a horse has gone out of control. They couldn't control the horse, an unrestrained horse. One man said that the tongue is the dipstick of the heart. And if the tongue isn't being controlled by God, it's a pretty good indication that the heart isn't being controlled by God either. Remember uh, what Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34 and 37. Old generation of vipers, he said, How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, Jesus said, the mouth speaks. Verse 37, he said, For by the words, by your words thou shalt be justified, and by your words thou shalt be condemned. What did Jesus mean by that? He simply is saying that our words, are reflective of what's on the inside of us. He doesn't mean that we will be literally saved by our words. No. But we show forth what kind of spirituality we have by our talk, by our words. James says that this person who cannot bridle his tongue, he deceives his own heart. This person is self deceived, and that he doesn't truly realize how bad his sin or his condition is. Because he literally has, hear me, a runaway tongue, a runaway mouth. Because he has a runaway heart. He has a heart that is not being controlled by the Spirit of God, he has no self control and it's revealed through a lack of self-control in his speech. God said, this guy, this gal, their spirituality is vain. It's empty. Just as the scribes, the Pharisees, and the hypocrites in Matthew 12. Listen to Ephesians 4, 29 and 31. Let no corrupt communication. Let no rotten or worthless is the word. Let no worthless, corrupt, rotten communication or speech proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. That word edifying is a word used for architecture. That it may build up, God is saying. That it may minister grace to the hearer. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed under the day of redemption. Let all bitterness that's poison. Let all wrath, that literally means ill passion. <laughs> Anger, that's, that's intent on doing hurt or harm. Let all clamor, that word means an outcry, boisterousness. Let evil speaking, the word means to vilify, to slander somebody. He said, let all this mess by the way, notice notice where, where it is all concentrated and how it's all revealed. The bitterness, the wrath, the poison, the passion, the clamor, the evil speaking, the anger, the slander right here with our words. And He says, let all that be put away. Don't do that. So as we close, when should you, when should I bridle the tongue? Well... When it's not true, bridle your tongue. When it's not true, Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. Also, when it's not necessary, <laughs> bridle your tongue. Ephesians 4.29, he says, I want you to minister grace with your words. Sometimes it's not necessary. Sometimes my word doesn't minister grace. It ministers Frustration, hurt, anger, blame., uh-huh. It's not necessary. Then don't talk. Bridle your tongue. When it's not true, when it's not necessary. How about when it's not helpful, when it's not constructive? Verse 29. "You speak when it's, you speak what is good for edifying." Remember, friend, there's a difference between critique and criticism. Critique can be very constructive, while criticism is destructive. The difference in the two is the motive of the person who's doing the talking. When it's not true, when it's not necessary, when it's not helpful or constructive. How about when it's not born in love? Rattle your tongue. Speak the truth in love. When it's not timely. Remember Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken. A word spoken just at the right time. When it's not calm or controlled, I need to bridle my tongue. Proverbs sixteen thirty two He that's slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that can rule his own spirit is better than he that takes the city. Proverbs nineteen eleven, the discretion of a man defers his anger, and it's a glory, it's his glory to pass over a transgression. And then I brought on my tongue when it's not directed to the right person. <laughs> Proverbs 1628, a forward or backward man sows strife. A whisperer, that's someone who carries tales. They take information from one person to a next. This whisperer separates friends. Proverbs 22, 26, 20, where no wood is, there the fire goes out. So where there is no Storyteller, or tale-bearer, the strife ceases. Proverbs 6.19, these are things that are hated by God and are an abomination to Him. And then he says, a false witness that speaks lies, and he that sows discord among the brothers. Be careful any time you start with a sentence. um, Hey, have you heard? Or, uh, did you know such and such? Or, hey, I can't tell you my source, but... Be careful. We bridle our tongue when it's not directed to the right person. And then finally, we should bridle our tongue when it's none of my business and none of your business. Proverbs 26, 17, He that passes by and meddles with strife that doesn't belong to him is like somebody that walks by and grabs a dog by the ears and starts shaking them. And you know what that gets. Charles Spurgeon said, this man, this person that does that, may expect to be bitten. (laughs) And he's not likely to get any help. (laughs) He's done a very needless and absurd thing, Spurgeon said, and he will get nobody's thanks for his pains. 1 Peter 4, 15, Let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. The word busybody there means an inspector in somebody else's business. Don't be Inspector Gadget or Inspector Clouseau. A.T. Robertson said, it refers to someone who spies out the affairs of other men. Ladies and gentlemen, you want to show your genuine spirituality? Let's start where God does in the passage. He starts right with our mouths, our speech. May God help me, and may He help us this week under His Spirit to have self-control over this often untamed, wild animal, our tongues. Let's pray. Our Father, we need You desperately. How often do I grieve You and hurt others by the carelessness of my words? overwhelm us and overhelp lord overcome me and help me in the name of jesus amen